show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show with Dr. D. Broadcasting from the HJL Hospitality and Evolved Studios in LA, Santa Barbara, AM 1290, KZSB, and FM 96.9, Santa Barbara, or somewhere from the road. He's opened and fixed more than 200 restaurants, bars, nightclubs, hotels, and neighborhood joints around the globe. He's an industry driver, an author, and a columnist. He's a restaurateur with legendary rock star Mick Fleetwood on Fleetwood's On Front Street in Lahaina, Maui. And he's your radio host. And now, back from a race around the sun, Jeremiah Higgins. You know this scoundrel Jeremiah, do you? (laughs) Yes. He's a very bad, bad person. <laughs> very oh, bad. I'm we're agreed on that. We're going to get on, Mario. This is splendid. <laughs> John, thank you so much for doing this. I know how busy you are right now. Oh, I am a wonderful person. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, and I'm just fantastic. And, uh, I, uh, you can hand it on. Tell other people it's important. <laughs> Pass it on. I won't disagree with you at all, even though you called me a scoundrel. I wonder if you have a copy of Barnaby Budge. No, as I say, we're right out of Edmund Wells. Uh, No, not Edmund Wells, Charles Dickens. (laughs) Charles Dickens? Yes. You mean Barnaby Rudge? Uh, No, Barnaby Budge by Charles Dickens. That's Dickens with two Ks, the well-known Dutchel. No, no, we don't have Barnaby Budge by Charles Dickens with two Ks, the well-known Dutchel. Perhaps to save time, I should add right away that we don't have Carnaby Fudge by Charles Dickens or Stickwick Staples by Miles Pickens with four and a silent cue. Why don't you try the chemist? I have. They sent me here. Did they? I wonder if you have the amazing adventures of Captain Gladys Stoke pamphlet and her intrepid spaniel Stig among the giant pygmies of Corsica, volume two. No, no, we don't have that one. Funny, we've got quite a lot of books here. Yes, haven't you? Well, I mustn't keep you standing around all day chatting. No, no, we haven't. No, no, well, we're closing well, for lunch well, now. Well, I thought I saw it over there. Where? Over there. What? Olson's Standard Book of British Birds. Olson's Standard Book of British Birds? Yes. O-L-S-E-N? Yes. B-I-R-D-S? Yes. Yes, well, we do have that one. The expurgated version, of course. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. Our special guest today is so important. (laughs) So very, very cool. Today, we've brought our two shows together, our two radio shows together to celebrate the comedy icon. Our very special guest today is John Cleese. 
He thank is one you. of my thank you. Thank you, fans. Thank you. <laughs> Take a bow. Take a bow. Uh, he's one of the most recognized and popular comic actors in the world. In fact, a father. What do you mean, one of the? <laughs> I'm going to get to that. Who wrote this dribble? I'm not. No, no, Jeremiah. We had we did a deal before this, Frey. You were going to be nice. I'm not going to be able to get through this, am I? Should I just give up now? <laughs> Listen to this. He's on a list of 50 of the most revered names in entertainment. 50 uh, of the most? Yeah. More than 300 comedians, comedy writers, producers, and directors on both sides of the Atlantic have not named John Cleese. I better not tell you this. Number two, John, on the li list of the world's most talented comedians. And it was compiled for Channel 4. The I hope number one is dead. <laughs> number, in fact, number one is dead. So you're oh, really good. So what are you talking about? What's this number two nonsense? <laughs> I guess they gave him the, they gave him number one. <laughs> they gave him number one, even though he's dead. Um, <laughs> Oh my God! So I don't know if I'm going to get through this, but John. You can call me the X number two now. The number one. <laughs> we just said you want to take charge because this Jeremiah guy's hopeless. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I feel like I got to speed speed. Uh, Speed up a little bit so I can get through this. John Cleese <laughs> probably best known for his television work on Monty Python's Flying Circus and Faulty Towers. If you ask anyone under 20 who John Cleese is, they give you a quizzical look at first. And when you say Nick, the nearly headless ghost in the Harry Potter film series, they light up and shout, I love John Cleese. <laughs> this, this is a true story. Uh, John has appeared in numerous movies, including Time Bandits, Silverado, The Out of Towners, Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, and The Day the Earth Stood Still. He had leading roles in several comedies, such as A Fish Called Wanda, which is a cult classic and happens to be my dad's favorite movie of all time. He's done voice work in numerous films, including the Shrek series, as well as Charlotte's Web and Trolls. And when I first met John, I called him Mr. Cleese. And I asked him, may I call you John? And he replied, yes, but please alternate between Mr. Cleese and John. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, John, uh, to the show. We got, I got oh, to <laughs> That wasn't too hard on you, was it? You're number one. Oh, just, no, no, it's fine. It's, well, you can do a bit more fawning later on, but that's enough for the time being. <laughs> All right, John, so here's my question I want to lead off here with. They say that tragedy and time plus time equals comedy. Uh -huh. And it feels like we have tragedy all of the time now. How do mm -hmm. we get back to the comedy, John? That's a very good question. Seriously, I, I was reading something yesterday and there was a list of all the comedy shows on BBC in 1991, 31 years ago. And there were nine or ten good-natured, funny, likable comedies. And now I can't name one. Mm, I know. I mean, it's partly because the people in charge, as usual, have absolutely no idea what they're doing. But I think it's, uh, it's, it's something about the times. I mean, these are terribly anxious times. 
And politically, it's very, very worrying. You see, I once helped a psychiatrist write two books about psychology, psychiatry. And the thing I learned, which stuck in my mind, is there's a stress chart that is uh, produced um, for the health companies, you know, uh, by statisticians. And it's this thing that causes you the, the most stress. Stress, for example, uh, death of of a spouse is 100 points. You know, losing a job is 78 or something like that. Mm. And what I discovered, and this is the shocking thing, was that um, an increase in the number of rows you have on a regular basis with your wife. Most people have a, a, a row with their spouse, you know, uh, in a month so many times. But an increase costs you 38 points. And a decrease in the number of rows you're having with your wife or spouse costs you 38 points. In other words, the stress is not whether the change is good or bad, it's just the change. Interesting. I think we're living in times that are so stressed and so changed that people are desperate to look for uh, uh, an authority figure to make them feel safer. And of course, they're choosing exactly the wrong people. Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of, uh, that's my serious answer to it. But I think that uh, James Thurber, whom I adore and who's been rather forgotten in America, he's a yes. wonderfully funny writer, he wants to find. Um, let me get this right. He defined comedy as tragedy recalled in tranquility. Mm. In other words, something that at the time yeah. felt absolutely awful. Right. Later, when you're free of it, you can sit back and have a laugh, which reminds you that it doesn't really matter. But at the time, you think it does. Oh. Well, you know, what's so interesting about what you're saying is that, you know, I think what's so difficult about this this period in our in our history is the fact that we're. And I, and, and I was wondering, as a comedian, if you feel this is that, you know, you mentioned that there are less shows that are funny and, you know, what have you. And you can't talk about things anymore. You're not allowed to that or. You know, like there's so I, I, many taboos. It's crazy. I find it, I find it in, in, absolutely incredible what, what is going on in terms of people not being allowed to speak because the basic, look, human beings are frail, stupid, lazy, incompetent, but ultimately quite lovable people. You know what I mean? We're a mess. We're all a complete mess. And and that's okay, you know. That's that's not such a such a bad thing as all that. But to think that anyone can ever come up with some kind of political organization that is really intelligent, uh, it, it's a waste of time. Of course, it isn't going to be. Everybody's going to cheat on voting and all this kind of thing. It, it, you you can't come up here. And and I think some of the. Uh, very progressive people say that liberalism has failed. No, no, no. Human nature has failed. Yes. Because there's no system that you can set up that we humans can't fuck up in about 15 minutes. 
So we just got to go with the best we've got. And the best we've got, I think, is liberal democracy. And the idea behind liberal democracy, like Voltaire said, you know, I will defend your to my to give my life to defend your right to 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 say things I disagree with. That it should be about people talking to each other and trying to find common ground. Yes. And we've almost lost that. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, and then in sweeps AI. Hmm? <laughs> and in sweeps artificial intelligence to kind of fill the gap. There it's yeah. a set, it feels like a setup. It feels like a setup. You know, we 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 we're, we blocked ourselves so much. And then yes. artificial intelligence is going to come in and fill in the gaps with more precision than we but could. You see, we've, we've created a society where people are largely treated like robots and they behave like robots. That's right. And if you if you are treated like a robot and, and you behave like a robot, then there's no problem about replacing you with a robot. That's right. So all the all the more humanitarian parts of life, you know, sitting at dinner with friends, enjoying a glass of wine and laughing, that doesn't matter anymore because you've got to becoming got to becoming richer and more powerful. People who are rich and powerful are not happy people. This is true. Yeah, my old friend, the screenwriter, William Goldman, he had a conversation with a doorman in one of those apartments in New York where, uh, you know, they, they, the condominiums. And he, he, he went to meet a friend and he got, fell in the conversation with the doorman. And the doorman said, you know, half the people in this building, they're billionaires. He said, and I see them every morning and every evening coming in, coming out, coming in. Never smile. Yeah. Never smile. Never a thank you. No, no gratitude. Yeah. No eye contact. Yeah. It's very no eye contact. And people sort of pretend, Mariel, pretending that they're better than other people because yes. they have money. Yeah. And I mean, it's so unbelievably ludicrous. And yet people believe it. Yeah. And, that, and then we've set up a social media system that just buys into that. Like, oh, we're teaching children that that actually does matter. And it doesn't matter. And yeah. they, don't know. they have no. no clue that it's all smoke and mirrors and fake. And it's, well, it's social media has become the golden calf. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a terrible business of people trying to pretend they're more beautiful and more intelligent and more accomplished than they are. You know, we don't have to be particularly beautiful, intelligent or accomplished. We can have a good life. That's right. That's not what anyone's telling us. We're all being told we're in this very competitive world. And I think it's, the competitiveness of America is is kind of compulsive. It's kind of knee-jerk competitiveness, yes. you know. It's like the male peacocks, you know. They used to <laughs> attract, the, attract the peacock hens with their tails. And, and the one with the biggest tail got the most hens until in the end he couldn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> Exhausted tail. <laughs> it's so true. Wow. So I don't know what we do about it, except we try to laugh. And I think we try to tell people when people are growing up, we try and say to kids, find something that you're really going to enjoy doing. Yes. You can be very happy on much less money than you think. That's exactly right. You something know, do something you soon. When you wake up in the morning, you think to yourself, actually, this is going to be quite interesting today. 
If you do that and find a nice person to live with, you're going to have a very good life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's yeah, it's it's a, it's a bizarre time, but your your laughter and your sense of joy is so powerful. And 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 I think that that's missing in so many people's lives. And I mean, I know that I know you have a show, a new show that you say that we probably won't see in America, but I think we will. And also we are heard in England now, apparently. So that's pretty cool. But I was wondering, could tell us a little bit about your show, like what what you're doing, like what well, is this new new channel, which has got a reputation of being right wing, and actually it's genuinely free speech, but a lot of it is right wing and rubbish. Um, they came to me and they said, "Why don't you uh, Why don't you make ten programs for us, um, and you can do whatever you like." So what are you doing? Is it a is it? I said, yeah, I said, yes, I'd like to like to do this. I'd like to have some people on television who I know a bit and who I think are very bright talking about things that are much more intelligent than we normally talk about on television. The first show I've got about four absolutely top people, absolutely top to, to really to explain to the British public how awful and completely destructive our newspapers are yeah and that's going to be the full first hour at the end of which uh, i think the, the viewers are going to think maybe this isn't such a right-wing channel and then the next program i would like to do would be about psi phenomena because i'm very interested in all these things like remote viewing Yes. And precognition. And I know a lot of the top people because I've been interested for a long time. I know the people in the DOPS department at the University of Virginia and Dean Radin and a lot of absolutely terrific top people. And I want to present this to the, the English audience and say, did you know that this the existence of these psi, psi phenomena has been proved beyond any doubt statistically? And the, you, the reason we don't talk about it, Meryl, as you were saying, we don't talk about it is because the scientists refuse to believe this irrefutable evidence for one reason. They can't explain it. They can't explain it or they can't control it. Too. Ah, yeah, true. True. Right? Wow. But they can't explain things oh, yeah. and then they want to believe that they can believe uh, that they can uh, explain everything. In fact, I have a sketch that starts, we scientists, you know, I love them when they say <laughs> that. We scientists now know that we don't know very much. <laughs> that will be a really happy day because they all think they know lots. They're not interested in the philosophy of science. They just want to go do science without actually examining the underlying assumptions in science. And if they did, they'd realize that it's an extraordinarily useful tool and it doesn't explain anything that's really important. Right. Right. Mm. right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Next, we're going to replace this. The next script will be We Doctors. We Doctors. <laughs> <laughs> now know <laughs> that we make a lot of money. <laughs> we make right? a lot of money and a lot of mistakes, but we don't tell you that. <laughs> oh, yes. 
Yeah, there is a great, a great, uh, it's very funny. I once said to a doctor friend of mine in Santa Barbara, I said, I don't think that 80, 85% of the people in any given profession don't really know what they're doing. And he said to me, oh, no, he's a doctor. He said, no, no, I think you're much higher. So I went off and I looked at the statistics. And every day in the United States of America, the number of people who die due to medical errors is the equivalent of two jumbo jets crashing out of the sky every day. Every day, medical errors. And of course, of course they're going to make yes. mistakes. They're human beings. They're yes. going to screw things up here and there. So the good ones screw up less. But I think it's terrible that they often sometimes get sued just because people, somebody dies, the people in the family uh, think the treatment could have been better, it probably could. So sue them, but don't give them a, a huge, huge, huge sums of money because then it gets like what we have in England football pools. A small number of people win huge amounts of yes. money. Uh, it's, it's, it, you know, they're going to be mistakes. And if there are mistakes, then let's try and cut down on the number of mistakes. But we're never going to cut out mistakes completely. One of the funniest things I ever heard, I went down to a little island in between England and France called the Channel Islands. And during the war, it was occupied by the Germans, by the Nazis. And it's a little island with lots of sorts of windy roads. And you know what happened? The German vehicles started having lots of accidents because they were used to driving in little windy British roads. And Hitler got very angry about the number of accidents that were happening. So he forbade people to have accidents. Oh, I mean, that is. <laughs> I could have used that when I was parenting my children. <laughs> Had I known that was an option. Yeah. <laughs> but we are we are very fragile people and we make a lot of mistakes. And if we're smart, we learn from the mistakes. That's right. Yes. There was a great British historian called Isaiah Berlin who made a distinction between two types of people, the uh, hedgehogs and the foxes. You know this? And no. the foxes don't pretend to know the whole thing. They know just little bits here and there, and they're always learning from their mistakes so they get better and better. And the hedgehogs have got one huge idea, and they never, ever question it, like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> That's awesome. The moral of the story yeah. is, folks, yeah, don't look to the cute little hedgehog, no matter how nimble he may, he may appear. <laughs> well when we when we're talking about as we were earlier about comedy and an, an idea came to mind on about the concept of joy and mm -hmm. although it may seem a, a broad stroke question i do have a question for you what or dare i say who brings you joy and love in your life I think the main thing is I married um, a, a, a wonderful one-off woman <laughs> whom I call fish. She's <laughs> like a fish. And what we both discovered after we've been dating for a bit is that the two of us, quite individually and quite separately, had had the largest collections of stuffed animals, of soft toys. What's that? Oh, I'm so, so sorry. 
Anyway, we discovered after we'd been dating that we each had a huge um, uh, collection of stuffed toys. No way. Really? Yes. Dragons and, and, and uh, lots and lots of uh, bears and, and every giraffes with our, our flat now when we put the two collections together. It's like the world's biggest soft toy museum. And I'm telling you this because I, uh, this psychiatrist I wrote the book, he said people consist of three parts. There's a kind of wiser part that doesn't turn up very often, but it's sort of there when people can go quiet and really think about important things. Then there's uh, the parent, and that's the one who makes all the arrangements, makes the money, makes sure that the things are repaired and that the children get to school on time and takes them to the dentist or that. And then there's the child. And the child understands wonder and 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 joy and is terribly good at playing and he said we you lose those as you get older if you take yourself too seriously 100% so we we spend an awful lot of time hiding and jumping out at each other (laughs) yeah we stayed at the Raffles Hotel in Singapore, and the staff I discovered absolutely loved us because they'd never seen an 83-year-old man hiding behind <laughs> pillars and jumping out, you see. <laughs> it makes everybody smile. It does make everybody smile. My, my uh, significant other, my husband, for lack of a better term, um, he and I play all the time. We laugh. We have guffaw laughter every single day. And it's it's amazing. I remember when I first met him and I I had raised kids and been in a marriage and been very serious. And when I first met him, he he hid in the house like he hid and he jumped out, you know, like did what you were talking about. And I was I was so shy. I was like, what are you doing? And I I was. You know, like it freaked me out. And then, <laughs> yes, you know, we play hide and seek and, yeah. you know, it's crazy. And it's so, I, we laugh every day and it's so important. I mean, because what, it, what, Mariel, it reminds you that, you that there's joy in the present moment. That's Absolutely. right. This is why Cleese says oh. that it is much, much smarter to have pets than to have children. you know because you don't have to educate pets and they're much nicer and much more fun (laughs) and they purr and run around and uh, you throw a stick for a dog and it runs after the stick and brings it back and you throw a stick for a cat and the cat says what (laughs) (laughs) they're wonderful pets i always say i'd rather lose a friend than a pet you know Because you could always make another friend. (laughs) 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 But if you you see, the thing is, if you get in an atmosphere like this now, we're just giggling and being silly, not not trying to show off. What happens is it's very hard for anyone to come into this atmosphere and pretend that they're very important. Yes. And that is why, right, why pompous people like to be pompous, because it means they can be self-important. 
Yeah. Everyone around them is giggling. Uh, they can't get away with it. So they want yeah. solemnity and, and my, look how important I am. Serious. Yeah. I'm serious. I'm an adult. We yeah. don't trust those don't ever become people. an adult. <laughs> yeah. my motto. Awful. I mean, the things you do, like, <laughs> <laughs> there was a movie when I did that. Somebody said to me, you can't, it was rat race. You can't do that. And I said, I can do anything I like. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm rich. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. So much fun. Never mind. Yeah. You're still there. Good. I hope you got a question. Well, Mike, my, I don't have a question. I'm watching the clock for you because I know you told me if you can't get to dinner on time, I'm going to really be in trouble. I'm going to get it. So it is now. So, well, let me, if we were going to end, I would say this. Years ago, I was learning to drive much, much later than most people do. I think it, I was about 38. I never bothered to drive. I just used to take cabs. And uh, I was being taught by a lovely man who was a batman during the war. That's the personal servant that uh, is, is given by the army to very high-ranking officers. And he adored the guy, the general that he worked for. And the general said to him, because his name was Walter, he said, Walter, what you have to uh, remember in life is that most things don't matter much. And no, no, sorry that some things matter a bit, but most things don't matter at all. And if you, I say often to myself when something irritating happens, I find my almost reflex now, like a knee jerk. I say, does it really matter? And you know, it almost never does. I love that. Great final words by the great John Cleese. The great, the, the uh, <laughs> don't stop. Icon. I'm Mr. an icon. Icon, Mr. Cleese. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a number legend, one. Number one comedian in the world. I, I oh. am an ex number two. And <laughs> I, I am also something. Oh, yes, I'm an institution. He <laughs> <laughs> <Please> said money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dot org. .org. Yes. I've actually thought of starting a church because I think that's the way to get really, really, <laughs> really much work. And I've got the right initials, you see. It would be the church. You do? Hey, listen, a little sidebar. Jeremiah and I were talking and he had sent a text to the, uh, the three of us were on a group chat and he had sent a text. Jeremiah, I'm going to tell us. And he sent this text saying something about JC. And I texted back John and he said, yes, JC equals John Cleese. And I said, well, crap, I had 10 questions for Jesus. So yes, you're right, you're with you. <laughs> okay. oh, dear. John, thank you so much and have a great day. That was fun, wasn't it? That's yeah. fun. I don't want to let you, I don't want to let you. Where are you? I am in, I am in Los Angeles now. Good. I also am in Idaho, but I'm in Los Angeles right now. Yeah. Good. And Melissa, where are you? I'm in Westlake Village, California. It's like 45 oh, minutes. Great. Yeah. Well, listen, I, in, uh, in uh, uh, let me think, uh, middle, uh, no, the later August, I'll be in L.A. Oh. So why don't we all have dinner together and, and Jeremiah can pay? <laughs> <laughs> it's the best plan I've heard all day. I love right. that idea. I'm in. That's not Jeremiah, I'll be in touch when I need you. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
I'm just going to sit here and take it. I love it. If you throw throw them at me, John, I'll take them all. And I'll pay I, for know, I know what a nice guy you are because <laughs> my daughter, who is quite picky, thinks you're great. Oh, all right. Nice. So I'm prepared to take a word for it, despite <laughs> what I've seen with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> despite the fact that your daughter doesn't catch the stick when you throw it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm off to have an Indian curry and then I'm ah. getting it early night because I'm 83. I love it. <laughs> I got to eat. I mean, otherwise I should die hungry. You know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> hey, John. Right, 83. I think we'll all agree. I, I want to thank you for making us laugh for the last half hour. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank enjoy, you. Enjoy the curry. Oh, go away. <laughs> uh, he's, he's great. I love him. When we started to show Fish Called Wanda, you know, the test screenings to audiences, we used to ask the audiences to fill out what we call an evaluation card. And they would be asked, what do you think of the music? Did you like the ending? And one of the questions was, what are the three funniest scenes in the movie for you? When we added up the votes, we found the funniest scene was killing the dogs. The second funniest was Michael with the chips up his nose. And the third was me dancing around naked, speaking Russian. <laughs> It said, what were the three most offensive scenes for you in the movie? And the three were killing the dogs, Michael with the chips up his nose, and me dancing. So what is going on here? Well, I think when you get into taboo areas, that is areas like dead bodies or limbs coming off or anything sexual, there's always a little bit of anxiety because it is taboo, you see. But for some people, just a few, there's a lot of anxiety. So when the subject is raised, they kind of freeze up and they feel very uncomfortable and they hate it and they hate the fact that people around them are laughing so much and they say I've been offended however most people just have a little bit of anxiety so what happens if you make them laugh you get an even bigger laugh than you do normally because you get the normal laugh and then you get the extra energy that comes from that little bit of anxiety being liberated so you get huge laughs when you deal with taboo subjects and that's one reason why my humor has a pretty black quality to it some of the time When you sigh, never in my wordland could there be ways to reveal in a phrase how I feel. Have you ever heard two turtle doves, Bill and Coo, when they love? That's the kind of magic music we make with our lips when we kiss. And there's a weepy old willow. He really knows how to cry That's how I'd cry on my pillow If you should tell me farewell and goodbye Lullaby of birdland, whisper low Kiss me sweet and we'll go Flying high in birdland, high in the sky up above All because we're in love
this is comedian Maz Jobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. My name's Danny Trejo. Jeremiah, you're loved, Holmes. I love you. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.